You are Locked On Pelicans, your daily podcast on the New Orleans Pelicans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans and NBA as a whole for the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Available on Apple Podcasts, on iTunes, wherever you get your podcasts from. I'm your host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter, here with you all on this Friday, the final day of podcasts here for Locked On Pelicans as we hit the All-Star break. And we are going to be talking about the game coming up this weekend on Sunday. You've got the actual All-Star game. You've got a number of other things before that, though, as well, that I'm going to break down and talk a little bit about for you and get you set and primed for All-Star weekend. I'm also going to tell you, I don't actually like the All-Star game itself, and I might have a bit of a rant in here about that. But before we get to all the the fun stuff, the All-Star weekend where you get to see all the players doing their thing and what have you, we got some news on the Pelicans as the NBA rescheduled that Pacers game that was rained out. Yes, that's right, rained out due to a leak in the Smoothie King Center roof. Uh, And we've got the makeup date for it. We're going to talk about that and the scheduling problems it, it, it creates because this definitely isn't good for the Pelicans in the midst of a playoff race. So we got a lot to cover in today's edition of the podcast. We're just going to jump right on into everything. So that rained out Pacers Pelicans game has been rescheduled for March 21st, which puts this smack in the middle of two games for the Pelicans. So we're going to look at the schedule, what it could likely mean, because this isn't ideal and this is borderline questionable, I'd say, by the NBA and Players Association for agreeing to this in the first place. So the on the 20th the it, so there's a five game homestand now with this put in place the you've got the rockets on the 7th march 17th here in the smoothie king center then on march 18th the pelicans take on the boston celtics they've got a day off on the 19th then on the 20th they play the mavs then the 21st they play the pacers and then the 22nd they play the lakers here at the smoothie king center again so five straight home games for the team with a set of a back-to-backs and then three games in three days on the 20th, 21st against the Pacers, the rescheduled game, and the 22nd against the Lakers. This is fairly absurd. That is five games in six days. Now, this is only the second five games in six days uh, that's occurred since 20, since 1985. Uh, and the last time it occurred, I believe, it was in 2010 with the Washington Wizards. So that's they're also just as ridiculous that you haven't seen something like this happen in so long, and it's a very rare occurrence. And, you know, if you stretch out the schedule and zoom out a little bit further, the numbers kind of get even worse. Uh, they play six times in eight days or seven times in 10 days. And when you stretch it out even further, it's 13 games in 21 days in the middle of a tight playoff race. You've seen how many teams have 26 wins here. We talked about it yesterday, how close this is. There's now a total of about 10 teams vying for all the spots in the Western Conference playoffs. It's really eight teams for six spots when you think about it. But that's a tight, tight playoff race, and your margin for error becomes so slim. And now the Pelicans are going to be forced to play with a rest disadvantage in almost every single one of those matchups. It's not what you want to see whatsoever for the Pelicans as they try and get into the postseason. So look, I'm not going to kind of explode about this, but I understand the frustrations with it. 
And there, it seems like there's maybe some other dates. You could maybe do it on February 21st, 22nd. However, that's during that all-star break window, and that's collectively bargained between the league and the Players Association. So once that's kind of set in stone, you really can't do anything about it. And both those sides, and this is what the ironic thing is kind of here, I guess, or the hypocritical thing, are very concerned about player safety. We've learned through just modern science how important rest and recovery is is there was a lot of questioning about whether cousins had his injury which i don't fully uh, agree with but i understand where they're coming from that his injury occurred because he's been playing significant minutes leading up to that and maybe it just weakens your body down and doesn't necessarily mean this is going to happen but means something like this could happen or have it has an increased risk of happening and the league started this year earlier to try and stamp out back-to-backs and try and eliminate, you know, the four games and five nights and different things like that. And for the most part, they've been very successful. There's fewer back-to-backs this year for every team than there ever have been before. You know, but to for this situation, you know, it, this seems to go against all of this concern with player safety and having a great product out on the court. And I get that there are extenuating circumstances here. And I get also that maybe it's up to the Pacers kind of to decide, even though it really is the NBA who decides. But you're going to likely inconvenience the Pelicans more than the Pacers overall in a situation like this. Even though it's not really the Pelicans' fault directly, they don't own the Smoothie King Center, and it's managed by a separate company, at the end of the day, it's their home game, and it's kind of that simple. So I'm not going to go by that logic. But you're going to make the Pacers less inconvenience because they did have to fly to New Orleans for nothing and then leave and now have to come back. That's a lot. of It's an extra trip that, again, when you're worried about rest and recovery and player safety, even though teams fly commercial now and not coach or, or nah, I guess it wasn't even coach before, but you get what I mean, um, that they uh, it's, it's teams fly private, private planes and chartered flights and not commercial. There we go. Got the words right. You know, but this still seems to go against the idea of player safety, even if it's just one team you're impacting. And the the NBA Players Association should be, uh, you know, pretty upset about this. And again, even in extenuating circumstances, do you really want to make your exception have to do with player safety? You Look, you may be making an exception for something. You pay a big fee to reschedule an event at the Smoothie King Center, something like that. Who cares about the money or anything like that? You guys have it. But player safety might be where you want to draw the line. And I think that's the big thing here. Again, this is only the second time it's happened because the league does everything it can to avoid a situation of five games in six days. This is not great for the Pelicans. I'm not going to say it's unfair because I don't really know for sure. And again, I think if of all the, of the two teams involved, it should be more unfair to the Pelicans than the Pacers. But this, don't like, and it's simple as that. But... It is what it is, and barring some other change of heart by the league or some grievance being filed, I don't even know what the process would be. Uh, It looks like the Pelicans will be playing the Pacers on March 21st. So I mentioned this yesterday. I'm going to mention it again tonight. Local indie band, the band that does the music for Locked On Pelicans and their lead guitarist, Rory, is also a writer over at LockedOnPelicans.com. Vox and the Hound has a show tonight Friday, the 16th, at the Three Keys in the Ace Hotel at 600 Carondelet Street. The opener is Tyler Skurlock of Shark's Teeth, and DJ Heelturn is going to be spinning before and after and in between sets. Plus, it's a free show. It starts at 10. Go out and support local music 
the local indie scene. They're a great band too. I've seen them a number of times now. It's a lot of fun. You can't beat something free to do on a Friday night while also supporting great music. So Vox and the Hound tonight, this Friday uh, at the Three Keys in the Ace Hotel at 10 o'clock. Okay, so before previewing the All-Star Game for you and the rest of All-Star Weekend, because I'm not going to spend a ton of time on the actual All-Star Game because I don't like it. I'll be honest. I don't know if this is considered a hot take or whatever you want to call it, but I don't find the actual All-Star Game very fun. I'm going to talk about the other events because I really do like those. But overall, the All-Star Game kind of sucks. And I think the NBA knows this because they had to put in an incentive that the winning team gets a bunch of money, which it is also another issue here because when you have to incentivize players to make your All-Star game matter, you need to do something different to the All-Star game. I think everyone thought that the All-Star game mattering for the World Series and that the winning team got home field advantage, home park advantage, I don't even know what you call it there, uh, was absolutely terrible. And not what anyone wanted to see in something where these guys aren't taking it that seriously. And frankly, it's like $10,000, $15,000, whatever it is, uh, of more money for these players, enough to like get them to play defense. And that's the big issue here. It, they don't play defense. They don't really try. And at a certain point, you kind of actually get sick of like the alley-oops when they're not doing it over anybody. We all know they are freak athletes and they can do some really special things and they joke around, you know, in warmups and stuff and they're throwing dunks to each other. That's cool, but you're not there going, oh my God, because there's just no stakes to it, just like there's no real stakes to the All-Star game. The dunk contest is fun because that's when they're pulling out tricks and different things like that. But like a big alley-oop when no one's defending it isn't as special as when they do it over a guy and you get the poster dunk from everything. Last year was fun when Anthony Davis set the record for points in an All-Star game with a like eye-popping 52 total points in that matchup. It was a 119-82 win over the East and broke Wilt Chamberlain's record. Except when you watched it, they're just getting out of the way for him to dunk it in the lane and they're just throwing alley-oops where it's just no effort whatsoever. It's not like he's even beating a guy off the dribble to try and go down there and score or post up. It's just him going to the rim because no one's trying to stop him. And while it's cool to see Anthony Davis get that, it's it wasn't really fun. Like you knew he was going to get the points record in this because there was no defense being played. Why wouldn't he when he's just dunking at the rim and not even throwing down like monster dunks or crazy things like that? So that's where this gets kind of frustrating when you get these numbers and it's supposed to be taken seriously and no one takes it seriously you at least need to have some defense and some pressure on here otherwise it's just like a video game uh, you know the 192 182 score looks cool but there are all-star games that if you go back into the past and watch that go to overtime in new york and different things like that that are much more appealing because players actually tried to play defense. They took this seriously. We all like the beef in the NBA. We love the stuff with Rondo and Isaiah Thomas the other night. You don't get that when no one's really trying out there and no one really seems to care and just seems uninterested. And they're almost like coasting by this whole thing on their athleticism. I love the rest of the events. We're going to talk about the rest of the events after the next reset here. But I do not like the All-Star break whatsoever. Or the All-Star break. The All-Star actual game. I further this, this is just my personal thing on this, and it's not meant to be like serious criticism whatsoever. But look, you know, the NBA hasn't had anyone kneeling during the anthem or staging any kind of protests or anything like that, largely because the league said no. 
Whether they should have or not is a different discussion for another day. But these are guys that are also, you know, wanting to make a stand and make a statement with a lot of this. You have coaches that are very outspoken about this type of thing, particularly Steve Kerr of the Warriors and Popovich of the San Antonio Spurs. And if this is where you can put your kind of money where your mouth is. Maybe they, the winning team should take the money that they would get to keep in their pockets, which to them is almost peanuts in comparison to their actual salaries and endorsements and all of that, and put it towards some activism or something like that. And I think that would have been a much better way to do it and would have made a much better statement than trying to make your all-star game competitive by giving them a couple of extra bucks in their pocket, which is more or less what this amounts to an analogy for people like you and I. So it's disappointing to see that too. There was just kind of a wasted opportunity here to do a lot with this all-star game event that could have really made an impact and a difference, raised awareness. And when you're kind of playing for charity and things like that, do they then maybe try a little bit harder because you know what the money's going to and you don't want to be on the team that didn't donate the money kind of to a, a charitable organization like that. That would have been my solution for it. But overall, top to bottom, not a fan of the All-Star Game, though I will be watching it this coming Sunday. So I've said it all week. I think I said it all last week, and I'm going to say it again today. Make sure you tune into the Locked On NBA podcast. You guys will hear me there on Wednesdays uh, once a week, recapping things around the league, talking about the biggest storylines in the NBA the podcast is moving to daily, Monday through Friday. A great way just to catch up on everything going around the NBA and the association as a whole. So make sure you tune in to the Locked On NBA podcast. But let's talk about All-Star Weekend because a lot of the other events are fun and I like these. And I'm going to give you guys some picks here and I will go on the record and have some fun with it. So you got two events on Friday tonight coming up. You've got the Celebrity Game, and I love that they've got two women in charge in Rachel Nichols and Katie Nolan drafting their own celebrity teams. And then Rachel Nichols the other day was working free agency to get other people onto her team. Um, but while I don't really know the breakdowns of the celebrity players, also I don't know like half of these people, who they are, who are playing in the game whatsoever, um, I'm going to be rooting for whatever team Paul Pierce isn't on. Look, he was a great player, Hall of Famer, and deserved to have his jersey retired as a Celtic. Man, he's a little insufferable at times. So whoever, whatever team Paul Pierce isn't on is the team I'm going to be rooting for in there. I don't even care enough to really know whose team he is on. But I'd just like to see him lose after all that stuff with Isaiah Thomas and the jersey retirement. And just, I don't know, it was just ugly all around. And like, come on, who cares? The Rising Stars event. This is the event where it's pretty fun if you want to see actual real basketball being played. These guys are all young. It's in their first or second year in the league, and they now do it Team USA versus the, the world since it's not rookies versus sophomores since that wasn't fair, and it's a mix. But these guys are young. They're out to kind of still prove themselves and make a name from themselves, and so they play with a lot more intensity, and you actually see them taking this seriously and play defense because no one wants to be embarrassed in this game. You've got uh, Team USA led by Donovan Mitchell, Dennis Smith Jr., the two rookies who are both in the dunk contest as well, are going to be out there scoring. Donovan Mitchell has looked insanely good this year for the Utah Jazz. The world team's got Simmons, they've got Embiid, Jamal Murray, a number of other players on there that are going to be a lot of fun to watch. This is where you just get a great collection of talent that you're not really going to ever see play together for a period of time. You see, you know, Westbrook and Davis on the all-star teams and such. But this is kind of a different matchup. And like I said, they really want to go out there and prove to the world kind of that they belong and that they're big guys and future all-stars. And 
yeah, maybe the defense is kind of lax at times, but usually this is where t- players just kind of get into like shooting competitions with each other and you let one guy go and score a ton. You're giving him the ball, but teams are playing defense to stop him from scoring because you don't want to be the young guy that got lit up by Donovan Mitchell or by Ben Simmons or by Joel Embiid. This one's fun. Team World usually looks a little bit better. They've also got Lori Markinen on that team as well, the young rookie who's been playing pretty well for the Bulls. I like Team World in this one. Then we move on to All-Star Saturday night. This is where kind of the fun events are. These are also the events you could bet on in theory. So you start with the Taco Bell Skills Challenge, and everyone loves Taco Bell, so that makes this event a whole lot more fun. I wish they would set something up like this for fans outside or in an area where they could kind of run through the skills competition and the drills that they do and try and have a leaderboard for fans doing it because this is the one that you could see people accomplishing. You've got Spencer Dinwiddie of the Nets in there, Joel Embiid, a big man doing it, Al Horford of the Celtics, another big man, Laurie Markkinen of the Bulls, Buddy Heald, former Pelican, now with the Kings there, Jamal Murray, Andre Jummond, and Lou Williams. And it's fun where they have kind of a bracket of bigs, a bracket of guards, and they kind of go at it to try and just do their thing and determine a winner. Uh, if I had to pick anyone on here, the the favorite in this competition is Lou Williams, if you go by the betting lines, followed closely by Jamal Murray. But I'm going to give you kind of a bit of a dark horse pick, and that's what I'm going to be doing on most of these. I don't believe in the favorites, according to Vegas right now. I like Spencer Dinwiddie on this one to win the Taco Bell Skills competition. He's having a fairly like breakout year for the Nets. He's getting a lot of minutes. He's playing pretty well for him. You have to kind of like what you've seen out of him. I think he's going to have he's going to get it done in the Taco Bell Skills competition. Moving on to the three-point contest, and this is why All-Star Saturday night is so much fun and also tickets are often just as expensive as it is for the All-Star game. You've got the three-point competition. We're going to run through these guys because I know a lot of people wanted to see Darius Miller in here. But when you look at his numbers, he wasn't ever going to get into the three-point shooting competition, even though his three-point shooting percentage is going to look better than some of these guys. Darius Miller is averaging 23.2 minutes per game. He's shooting 43% from deep, which is an absolute fantastic, fantastic number. But it's also less than each one more who's shooting 43.3%. There's a bit of a difference there. you, you got to at least try and be one of the better three-point shooters on your team, if not the best. And Darius Miller is taking 4.5 three-pointers attempted per game, and he's making 1.9. That number 1.9 is what you need to know here. So let's run down some of the guys in the three-point competition, all of the guys in the three-point competition, starting with Clay Thompson, who on the season is shooting 45.4% from deep. That's absurd and making 3.228 per game. You've then got Wayne Ellington, shooting guard from the Miami Heat, who's shooting 38.7% from deep, so not as good as Darius Miller, but is making 2.947 threes per game, so almost three threes per game. Volume, that's kind of the key to this sort of thing. Eric Gordon, we all know what type of shooter he can be, particularly from last year and the end of his tenure here in New Orleans, shooting just 33.4% from the field this year, a little bit lower than last year, but he's making over three attempts per game, 3.02. You got Paul George of the Thunder, 43.2% from deep, making 3.339 threes per game, so he is shooting quite well, and again, volume. Got Bradley Beal, the the guard from the Wizards, 37% exactly, 
2.439 threes per game. Then Kyle Lowry, point guard for the Toronto Raptors, very underappreciated player. 38.9%, 2.963 threes per game. Moving on, Devin Booker, 38.3%, 2.682 uh, threes made per game. And then finally, Tobias Harris, recent acquisition by the Los Angeles Clippers, their small forward, 40.2%, 2.278 threes per game. That's the difference in why Darius Miller isn't getting in. None of those guys are under two threes made per game. They also have just been in the league a little bit longer and have been known to do this more than Darius Miller. So reputation plays into account as well. But I think it's a volume issue that might have kept Darius Miller out of this. I had to put money on anyone. And when you look at the favorites here, uh, the field gets kind of crowded. The favorite in this game, obviously, is going to be Clay Thompson, probably as it should be. Followed by Eric Gordon uh, jumping significantly in the odds after that. I keep an eye on, and I think it'll be Eric Gordon in this if I had to guess. But if you want a good betting option, maybe. Not saying he's going to win. Look at Wayne Ellington of the Heat. This guy's been pretty, a little bit streaky, but comes up big in these type of things. And, you know, you sometimes get that kind of unheralded guy, the lesser name out of all of them that comes in and kind of lights it up. He's plus 909 on, I guess, if you're going money line odds to win this thing. It seems kind of good to me, to be honest. Um, so I kind of like him in there if you were going to potentially think about placing a bet, which is illegal, and I don't advocate you do whatsoever, um, at least in terms of gambling when it comes to things like this, because I'm not going to be held liable for any of that. So finally, the main event of All-Star Saturday Night, the Verizon Slam Dunk Competition. And this is where it's going to get interesting. And I've got a strong pick on who's going to win this. You've got Victor Oladipo of the Pacers, Larry Nance Jr., formerly of the Lakers, now of the Cavaliers, and then two rookies. You've got Dennis Smith Jr. of the Mavericks and Donovan Mitchell of the Jazz. Dennis Smith Jr., who was, I think, the replacement, if not, or was always in, I forget now exactly, uh, for Aaron Gordon, former winner who's going to be out with a hip injury. He is plus 145 and is the clear favorite here. You've then got Donovan Mitchell at plus 240, Larry Nance Jr. at plus 270, and then Victor Oladipo at plus 440. Got some notes on this one because there's some interesting things here with this. I'm picking Larry Nance Jr. for this. One, this was going to be in L.A. Well, it is in L.A., and he was a Laker when this was all announced at the time, so you get the hometown guy in there. That goes a long way towards the dunk contest and things like that. Don't forget, MJ won the dunk contest in Chicago when he probably wasn't the best dunker in that game. Just saying, that's not even a hot take. So when you look at this field, the name that really does jump out is Larry Nance. His dad, Larry Nance Sr., a former Cavalier and NBA player, won the first dunk competition ever in 1984. This dude's dad won the dunk competition. Come on, you don't think they're going to try and push this for like the first father-son dunk competition winners in NBA history, let alone when this guy was the former hometown player in this one? The story just writes itself a little bit. I think Larry Nance Jr. wins this. I think it's pretty obvious to me. I don't know. Maybe I'm reading too much into things. But his dad won the first ever dunk competition. You're not going to give his son one? I think, yeah, exactly. They're going to kind of, I'm not going to say rig or set it up like that, but something, something's going on here. I think you all agree with me. And then finally for the actual All-Star game, which I will watch but don't really care about, 
Look, I'm picking Team LeBron. You got Davis on there. You've got Durant. You just have a better team top to bottom. I don't know what Steph Curry was doing when he drafted players. Um, but no defense can be played. It's going to be like a high-scoring game, and who really cares? Uh, but let's hope Anthony Davis has a big game in that one as well as he did last year. So that's going to do it for this edition of Locked on Pelicans. That's going to do it for this week of Locked on Pelicans. Be back with you all on Monday to recap the All-Star game. Start talking about the topics you want to hear as we don't have a game until Friday. So we've got some time to kind of talk about different things. What do you guys worry about? What have you seen? What's jumping out at you? What do you want to know about your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans? As always, I'm your host, Jake Madison, at NOLAJake on Twitter. I'll be back with you all on Monday. 